0: Welcome to the Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast, your source for all things Catholic in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. Here, you can find Bishop David Condorla's podcast, Tulsa Time with Bishop Kondrula. The EOC Podcast provides the opportunity to hear from not only Bishop Kondrula, but priests, deacons, and religious leaders all throughout our diocese, helping you learn more about the Catholic faith in Eastern Oklahoma. Together, our faith goes further. It's wonderful to be here back in Tulsa. Um, I, I tell someone at dinner, I came here in, I think, 2017. I'd met Father Kerry Wakulich at Focus Training, and uh, we played soccer together and uh, connected. And so then he's like, Hey, man, wanna come out to Tulsa? I was like, Yeah, sure, bro. So, So we did a little few days' mission at Tulsa University, and then went up to Stillwater, so. And then I was just here recently. Uh, we did a retreat with the OU students. And that was in, I think, September, uh, a camp somewhere. So, uh, yeah, so I've been here a few times. So great to be with you again. I'm Father Emmanuel, originally from England. Uh, I came to the U.S. in 1995. Um, to serve as a missionary with Net Ministries. Uh, so I was on a, what they call a traveling team. Uh, so traveled around the U.S. doing retreats for high schoolers and then uh, worked for NET for two years, 1996 to 98. So lived in St. Paul, Minnesota, and then joined the Friars, Franciscan Friars Renewal, a community I'm a member of, in 98. was ordained 2007, sent back to England. I uh, was in England for seven years. And then uh, in 2014, I uh, was asked to come back here as a vocation director. From 2014 to 2020 I'm um, currently now I I, I do two kind of main things I work in formations and what they call the director of formation and then I'm also I, I travel a fair bit and do stuff like this uh, so wonderful to be with you um, yeah if you don't know I mean I'll tell a couple of stories about the friars but our main work is we live with and serve the materially poor uh, and then we do what we call itinerant preaching or evangelization so it's sort of the classic Franciscan apostolate, which is to live with and serve the poor and then to go out uh, and to share the gospel. So that's, that's why we're here tonight. So um, let's pray and then we can begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of our lives. Thank you for the gift of your life within us. Thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters who are here tonight, Lord. Thank you for the gift of their faith and for bringing them together. Please come, Holy Spirit, and be with us. Thank you for the gift of our baptism by which we have become children of God. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in such a great gift. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and open our hearts. That you would speak to each one of us a word that would bring us life and encouragement Strengthen us to live more fully for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so if you were there for Mass, uh, we talked about the baptism of Jesus and how he, he was confirmed in his identity as a beloved son of the Father. And so we use the acronym R-I-M. Relationship? Yeah. Relationship Identity Mission. So we talked about Jesus receiving his identity, living in relationship with the Father. And so uh, the second part now is to talk more about like our mission. Um, and so how, did, how is Jesus's mission connected with his, his experience at his baptism? So I just want to kind of open that up a little bit for us, just to invite us more like a call into to living out the mission that God has given each one of us through our baptism and our confirmation. I want to begin by telling you a story. As I mentioned, uh, I traveled, particularly when I was vocation director, I would travel quite a lot. I lived in Harlem, so right in the middle of New York City, and uh, the brothers were very generous where I lived. They would often bring me to the airport, but I said, why don't you just drop me off and I'll get the bus, and then it saves you sitting in traffic, it saves us tolls. The bus is 275, you know, and I just need to sit there on the bus, so it's much better. So anyway, so... Brother drops me off this particular day, and I was, I was cutting it a bit close. And I was like, oh, I need to make sure I get this particular next bus so I can get to the airport to make, make my flight. So the way it works is the bus that you get to the airport, you have to go up. You, we have a metro card, kind of like a subway ticket. And then you put that in the machine, and it takes money off of however much money you've got on your card, and it prints out your ticket. And you just get on the bus with that ticket. They don't even look. If there's a conductor on, he checks. So I'm doing that, getting my ticket, it's taking a little, bit of, a little bit slow, and the bus comes, pulls in, and pulls out while I'm getting my ticket. I'm like, ah. It pulled away, and I'm like, God. And then I looked at the traffic, and I said, you know, traffic is bad. I think I can run to the next bus stop <laughs> before the bus gets there. So you have to picture me. So this is the middle of Harlem. I've got a duffel bag on, because I'm traveling for a few days. I've got a duffel bag on one side, a little kind of side bag with some books in it on the other side. So these two bags, and I start running through the streets. So I'm running, and as I'm running, I've got one on the bus, one on the people, so I don't hit anybody. And then I hear this guy, hey, yo, brother. And I'm like, and I turn around, he's like. You dropped your water. I had a little bottle of water, just a regular, like, you know, plastic one you get from the store. And it dropped out, and it was rolling down the street. And, uh, and I'm like, and he goes, where are you going anyway? <laughs> and I was about to say, so we're probably 10 yards apart shouting at each other. So I was about to say Kansas, which is where I was going. And he goes, to preach the gospel? And I'm like, yeah, like kind of reminded me, right? Priests, we need reminders. Like, what are we about? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to preach the gospel. He's like, well, if you're going to preach the gospel, you need your water. I was like, that's a good point. I'll run back, pick the water up, stuff it in my bag, run, make it, get on the bus, make the flight. Ray. My question for you is, where are you going? Like every day when you leave your house to go to work or to school or wherever you're going, where are you going? And the answer is the same. You're not going necessarily to the engineering plant or, you know, Stillwater or all the different places you go to. You're going to preach the gospel. The mission is is the same. Every one of us, by our baptism by our confirmation, we've been given a mission which is to share the gospel. And as my friend on 125th Street reminded me, if you're going to preach the gospel, you need your water. You know, we all had the whole, right? Everyone carries water bottles these days, right? Hydrate, don't dehydrate. you know, all this stuff. (laughs) But I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, so in the gospels, who is the living water? Anyone? Who does Jesus refer to as the living water in the gospels? The Holy Spirit. So John chapter 7 Verse 37, Jesus says this, On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood there and cried out, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me. Let the man come and drink who believes in me. As scripture says, From his heart shall flow fountains of living water. Which is a beautiful image. He was speaking of the spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive. For there was no spirit as yet, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit. So if we're gonna preach the gospel, we need the Holy Spirit. And so Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the apostles, He says, from many days, not from now on, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. We need water. If we're going to preach the gospel, we can't. This isn't like some human endeavor. So how does that connect with the baptism of Jesus? Okay. so the baptism of Jesus, 30 years. Let's let's first of all put this out there. 30 years, he's hidden, which for me, especially as I've got older, fascinates me. Because I think if I was the son of God, if I was going to become incarnate, the word made flesh, I wouldn't spend 30 years hidden. You know what I mean? Like in our kind of efficient society, we're like, right, I'm 12. I have done my bar mitzvah. Now they're going to pay attention to me. Let's go. Because I don't know how long I'm going to be around. What's the father's plan? 30 years. Obscurity. Fascinating, right? Incredible mystery. And this is what the catechism says about it. During the greater part of his life, Jesus shared the condition of the vast majority of human beings. This is number 531. A daily life spent without evident greatness. In our day and age, when if you ask your average 10-year-old, what do they want to be? They want to be a YouTuber. It's the <laughs> primary thing they want to do. Why? Because they want a life of evident greatness. They want to be seen. An influencer. A life of manual labor. His religious life was that of a Jew obedient to the law of God, a life in the community. And then it says this. The hidden life at Nazareth allows everyone to enter into fellowship with Jesus by the most ordinary events of daily life. This is this incredible mystery that the son of God who teaches us by everything that he did and said and even didn't say, by his silence, teaches us about the meaning of our daily existence. That he has sanctified it. Um, and then so he lives his 30 years, hidden, humble, obscure. And then what does he do? The first thing, he's baptized. He makes his way into the desert where John is baptizing, which we heard in the gospel today, and he's baptized. And so my question is: what happens at his baptism? It's a great question. Like, what happens at the baptism of Jesus? Why would he get baptized? Because it was, even for the gospel writers, it was a scandal. Because why would Jesus submit, the Son of God, submit to baptism? It would imply, perhaps, that he had sinned, but we know he doesn't. And then even in the Gospel tonight, Matthew's version, John protests and Jesus says, just allow it, it's fitting for all righteousness to be fulfilled. So the main understanding that we have, why did Jesus be baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? Solidarity with us, right? So he, he's showing that he enters into our humanity. He was like us in all things, yet without sin. But is there anything else to it? Or is it just him doing something just to kind of lead the way? So this is what the, Holy, the, the fathers of the church propose. That yes, absolutely, he enters into solidarity with us. But the other part, and that was what we heard at Mass, the reading that we, that, uh, we read from Acts, is that Jesus is actually anointed by the Holy Spirit, at his baptism. And we see the effect of it, because from then on, he's sent out. Right. So remember, he said, if you're going to preach the gospel, you need your water. So you see in the very life of the Son of God, once the Holy Spirit comes down upon him, he is sent out. He's anointed for mission. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Peter's speaking about Jesus. You must have heard about the recent happenings in Judea, about Jesus of Nazareth and how he began in Galilee after John had been preaching baptism. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus. And because God was with him, Jesus went about doing good and curing all who had fallen into the power of the devil. So brothers and sisters, what I want to point to is When Jesus was conceived, and that was why I was a bit nervous Daniel said he he wanted to record it, because it's going to get a little bit theologically technical. When Jesus was conceived, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, right, invisible, he assumes a human nature, right, through being conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's filled from his conception with the Holy Spirit. In his humanity, at his baptism... His human nature, He is anointed with the Holy Spirit for mission. And that's what we see happens to Jesus. So it wasn't just something that Jesus did for us at His baptism. It was actually something that the Holy Spirit did for Jesus at His baptism. So then we see Him. The Holy Spirit comes upon Him. From then on, He's sent out and we see the work of the Holy Spirit manifested in Him, right? St. Peter alluded to it. He went about doing good and healing and curing all who were in the grip of the devil. So we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested, which as far as we know, weren't manifested prior to his baptism. Fascinating. Fascinating. So we see him begin to heal the lame, the sick, the blind. We see extraordinary miracles, raising the dead, turning water into wine, multiplying food. We see incredible teaching and preaching. We see words of knowledge. The woman at the well, you have five husbands. There's no way humanly he could have known that. These are all gifts of the Holy Spirit there' are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? That we see manifested, first of all, in the life of Jesus. How does this connect with us? Well, I spoke in the homily, Jesus lived in relationship with the Father. This is where his identity comes from. This is where he's kind of consumed by being with the Father. And this is why there's this incredible freedom about the person of Jesus. So much so that, you know, he can go all the way to the cross trusting in the Father. He also lived in relationship with the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about that as much. What was Jesus' relationship like with the Holy Spirit? St. Luke's Gospel, he alludes to it quite a lot. He says, led by the Holy Spirit. Or Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. But it's very mysterious. So, my first question, brothers and sisters, is one, do we have a relationship, that was the hope from the homily, with the Father? The other one is, do we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because if we don't, we will struggle with mission. Because the Holy Spirit is the one, Pentecost, right? Comes down upon the church as he came down on Our Lady and they go out, The Holy Spirit, Pope Paul VI says, is the primary agent of evangelization. The primary agent of evangelization. So let's look at us. We've talked about Jesus. So when we're baptized, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes to live within us to make us holy. We're filled with what the church calls sanctifying grace. So the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, to make us holy, for sanctity. A confirmation, what I would propose, is that the Holy Spirit comes upon us, almost similar to Jesus' baptism, to make us witnesses, right? In the, in the old days, when the, when the bishop would confirm you, he'd ask your name, be sealed with the Holy Spirit, and then he'd, <laughs> he'd slap you, right? Now we're a little bit wary of that sort of stuff. But some bishops will still give a little gentle tap. And why is that? Because when you're confirmed, you're called to witness. And the, the understanding traditionally was you're going to be a soldier for Christ. You will be persecuted. You know? Um, so, brothers and sisters, we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, but then the Holy Spirit comes upon us to make us witnesses when we're confirmed. Catechism, very interesting. Talks about confirmation very similar to Pentecost. It says this for so 1302. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. I'm going to read it again, and we're going to talk about it. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Okay. How many of you have been confirmed? Okay. How many, are you, how many of you are living like the apostles after Pentecost? Ooh, me too. So Houston, we have a problem, right? We, we were confirmed. The Holy Spirit came upon us for mission. as came upon Jesus at His baptism, anointed us for mission, But something somehow in the translation hasn't kind of kicked in yet. Um, And the first thing I would say is that this is wonderful, right? The fact that you can gather on a Monday night and know Father Vince and, and some of the other priests and people in the diocese are working hard to kind of generate sort of life for young adults. But this cannot be what I would call a holy huddle, right? Where we just kind of hang out. And we receive life and joy and friendship and we bless one another and we share our faith. And then we just kind of go back to normal and we're not concerned about, you know, the rest of the people who don't know the Lord. Um, I love the image of St. Peter's Square. If you ever been, maybe you even got a chance to watch the funeral, which is in St. Peter's Square, Pope Bennett. Because St. Peter's Basilica is here and then you have the big colonnades, the big, the pillars with all the saints around. And they're like this. They're like arms, And so it's beautiful. So it's the, this image of a church that welcomes you in. But it's, it doesn't go like this. Ah, oh, you're in now. It's open. So you come in and you go out. And this is, I think, where c- Catholics, we struggle sometimes. You know? Is we come in and we receive the sacraments, and thank God we do. And... Hopefully the Lord is making us holy. But we're meant to be sent out. You know, Pope Francis, he says this. Each one of us can think of persons who live without hope and are immersed in a profound sadness that they try to escape by thinking they can find happiness in alcohol, drugs, gambling, the power of money, promiscuity. And then he says this beautiful line. He says, we who have the joy of knowing that we are not orphans, that we have a father, cannot be indifferent to those yearning for love and for hope. And he says, with your witness, with your smile, you need to let others know that the same father loves them too. With your witness, with your smile, you need to let others know that the same father loves them too. I was uh, some years ago when I was uh, vocation director. We did a, a visit to Harvard, Harvard University campus visit, and the focus missionaries they set, they organised uh, a bunch, There was two of us organised a bunch of uh, students to meet with us for spiritual direction. It was a Saturday afternoon, and I guess they didn't have any like uh, meeting space, so we sat in a Panera all afternoon, just at one table. And then you didn't even know who's coming. I didn't even have the list. So I'm just sitting there, sort of like a spy movie. Like, are you the person? Obviously, I stand out, right? So everyone knows, like, okay, that, there's, my, there's my, are you Father Emmanuel or are you Brother Pier Giorgio? Okay, I'm Father Emmanuel. Great. Brother Pier Giorgio is over there. So I would sit there, and half an hour, you know, meetings. I remember this one young woman came. I'm going to call her Susie. And I remember it, just briefly. And she told me she was struggling, very bright young woman, right, studying at Harvard, and uh, she looks at me and she said, Father, I'm struggling with my faith. It's okay, and I listened to her for a little bit, and then she asked me very directly, she said, why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in God? And uh, I said to her, I was quiet, and I said, because of the cumulative evidence of his presence in my life because of the cumulative, meaning like, you know, based upon each other, evidence, my experience of His presence in my life. I didn't say, Aquinas says this, Second Vatican Council said this, the Catechism said this. She's very smart, probably much smarter than me. I just testified to my experience of the Lord. So we talked a little bit, we prayed together, she left. Probably... Three or four years later, I get a letter in the mail. Dear Father Emmanuel, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Susie. We met at Harvard, in the Panera. In the course of that conversation, I asked you, why do you believe in God? She said, I remember your answer because of the cumulative evidence of His presence in my life. She said, as I reflected on your answer, I realized that was true for me. And then she she wrote at the end of her letter, she said, thank you for sharing with me that day. She said, tomorrow I join the sisters of Mary, mother of the Eucharist. Brothers and sisters, your witness really matters. Your witness really matters. The way you live your faith, the way you testify really matters because the people around you are looking for Christ. There's a beautiful line in in John chapter 12. Some Greeks come to, to Philip and they say, sir, we want to see Jesus. This is the cry of our culture. Sir, we want to see Jesus. We we hear about him, but we don't trust institutions anymore. We don't trust authority anymore because they've let us down. I want to see Jesus. You tell me you believe, and the first of all, what they're going to do is they're going to watch how we live, and the only way is as long as we are living in relationship with the Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And says we, you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. And then you'll be... And it's beautiful because it, it doesn't have to be... Like, I didn't give her a great intellectual answer. I didn't have one. I didn't even know what her intellectual questions were. I just told her about my experience of the Lord as honestly as I could. And the Holy Spirit, who is the primary agent of evangelization... Connected my experience with her longing. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And during the summer, uh, I I would walk sometimes around our neighborhood. Uh, So I live in in Patterson, New Jersey. It's it's a a fairly tough neighborhood. And so I would just walk and pray the rosary. And so we live on Butler Street. So I'd walk all the way down Butler, turn right, and then walk up Highland and then come back to make a kind of a loop. So at the bottom of, of Patterson, they turn up, and so at the bottom of Highland, there's all these children. There must be a lot of families that live in that particular part of the street. So they're all just playing. And then they see me. And they're like, whoa. And they like ran. Like probably five, six, seven kids. And they're like, look at me. like, And then one of them said, are you God? And I said, no. I said, I just work for him. Uh, he just worked for him. And then one of them said, can you teleport? <laughs> and I said, no. Another little boy he goes, do you have any special powers? <laughs> and I said, "Whoa!" Well. And then we talked for a little bit. And it was beautiful. I remember this beautiful young African-American girl. She just, you know, like my sleeves were rolled up. It was warm. And so she just looked at me and she done like this. She wanted to see if I was real, right? People want to see if you're real. Like, is this thing real? Is it flesh? Is it real? Can I connect with it, right? What did Thomas do? Hands in the flesh. but this is, we've been given bodies by which the Lord shines through. And what did I do with those children? Spoke for a little bit and I said, can I pray for you guys? They're like, He's gonna pray for us. Well <laughs> so then I'm just quiet and I just pray for them. And then I was I was praying my rosary. So I had a little plastic rosary in my pocket. And they're like, can we have one of those? I said, I don't have enough for you guys. I said, but I'm gonna come back and I'll bring you all one. And then so then a few weeks later I come back and uh, and then they were, they were all playing again. And then, you know, they will come again. we talk again. And they like, did you get us those beads? And I said, yes, I did. And then, she goes, and then little vision, she said, I knew you would come. Beautiful, right? Integrity. I said I would come. I told them I would bring them beads. Are you real? Right? To be men and women of integrity where our faith and our life, you know, we all struggle. Absolutely. We all struggle. There's all inconsistencies in all of us. But the more and more there's less of a gap, the more people see in us Jesus. What's fascinating to me about that story is that when these young people met me, are you God? Can you teleport? Do you have any special powers? What were they looking for from me? Something supernatural. Something supernatural. That's what the men and women of our time want to say. They're, they're like, is there something different about you? And you don't have to wear a habit or a cassock. You have to dress differently, but your life should look different. Right? This is the essence of witness is that, yes, I'm the same as you. I'm a human. I'm flesh and blood. But there's something different about me. And this is, this is the gift of witnessing. C.S. Lewis says Christianity does not make nice men and women but new men and women. Beautiful, right? And this is the power of the Holy Spirit living within you to cause you to bear witness to Jesus wherever you go. So, where are you going? Do we remember? Where are you going? Preach the gospel. Let's try it together. Where are you going? Preach the gospel. Okay, and so if you're gonna preach the gospel, you need your water. So my invitation for you each day is to pray to the Holy Spirit for opportunities. Opportunities to share the gospel. And you'll see, you'll begin to see. Huh. And it might be simple. I met a man in the TSA line yesterday, Protestant. We were in Pensacola airport. He goes, I told him why I was there. He goes, what are you doing in Tulsa? So I'm giving a talk. He goes, man, I'd love to hear your talk. He goes, when you're in Pensacola next time, would you give me a call? gives me his business card. Right? Just these, now I get it. I look different. It opens up the conversations a little bit quicker. But you have the same opportunities on planes. Do I get on a plane? Do I put my buds in? Or do I pray? <laughs> Lord, and then I turn to the person next to me. Hi, where are you traveling to? Not rocket science. <laughs> you know, you're not super weird just by saying where you're traveling to. <laughs> but it just means, do I have a heart for people outside? Or is this just a little closed club? You know, and only the Holy Spirit can give us that kind of love, right? And can give us, because by, by nature, we're all selfish. We're all scared, right? Like, I don't want to be weird. So, well, guess what? Can I say something to you guys? You're weird. I want to set you free from worrying about being weird. It's a Monday night. Most of you here are in your 20s and you're at church. That's weird, <laughs> right? So, you, so we kind of have to get over the fact of like not being weird. Don't be weird, weird. Right, like there's a weird kind of weird where you're just awkward and, you know, people can't really connect. That's not great. But be weird enough to not be afraid to share the gospel. And and for that, just like the apostles, we need the Holy Spirit. They were afraid. They were afraid. They didn't know. So I'm going to finish with the scripture. We're going to pray Second Timothy 1, verse 6. That is why I am reminding you now to fan into a flame the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. To fan into a flame the gift that was given to you. is the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's gift was not a spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power and love and self-control. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit that was given to us at baptism and confirmation, and whenever we say, Come Holy Spirit, is not a spirit of timidity. The word timidity comes from the Latin timore, which means fear. Right? It's not a spirit of fear. But our culture, sometimes we can be infected by a spirit of fear. And we need the perfect love of Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, to drive out this fear, myself included. So this, this spirit is not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of what? Power. And love and self-control. I just want you to to pray for a particular uh, gift tonight that you need to be able to bear witness. Let's make it very practical. So power. What do you need power for? Maybe to live your faith with more confidence and boldness. To be aware that if this is good news for me, it's also good news for everyone else. The power to proclaim Jesus with courage and confidence. Love. It would be to love those around you with His supernatural love. To care for the poor, to be concerned for the person at work who's struggling. Self-control. Self-control to live more and more a life of holiness. Live a life of purity, of prayer, of righteousness what does St. Paul say? I'm reminding you now to fan into a flame the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. We've received this gift. We heard that at our baptism and our confirmation. What the Lord wants to do is to blow on that little, those embers. So we're just going to pray now. I'm just going to invite you, just in your heart, whatever you desire from the Lord, just to ask for. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your love for them. Thank you for your presence in their lives. Thank you, Father, that they have experienced you in some way. And by the gift of their very baptism and confirmation, you are calling them to be witnesses of Jesus in the midst of wherever you send them. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would come, that you would come upon us, and that you would fan into a flame the gift that we received. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, Fill us, use us, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Mother Mary, we turn to you, you who are the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Teach us to surrender each day to his promptings to say yes to all that he asked of us as you did. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Follow and subscribe in your podcast app for updates and notifications when new content is released. And thank you for listening. Together, our faith goes further.